So baptism is like the natural response, right? When we come to, to faith in Christ, it's like the first thing. We should be like, look, where's the water at? When is the next baptism happening? Because that's what Jesus had asked his followers to do, to go make disciples and baptize. So that's, that's the thing. So I, I just want to bring that up because we're having a baptism. It's coming up in November, November 7th. And actually, after the service today and here, right afterwards, we're going to have an info meeting. So if you don't know anything about this, if you know Jesus, I'll just say it. He wants you to be baptized. That's what he asked. So um, come join us and just find out more about it after the service. I also want to tell you that we are having the first week in November, we're going to have dinners of eight. It's something we've done around here from time to time. It's in other people's homes. You can sign up and just meet some some people you don't know and get to know some people from this church. So that's on uh, mylcc.info. You can sign up for dinners of eight, too. Okay. If you're new, we welcome you. We are going to now just turn our hearts to, to, to God and to worship him for what he's done for us and the way he's given us life that lasts forever, and he's given us purpose now. So I'm going to ask you to stand with us, and let's, let's enter in. Let's set our hearts and minds on God and worship today. Glad to be with you. Glad that you're here. I've had a lot of people this morning already ask me um, how I'm doing. Uh, it seems... A little strange, and I'm fine. It's up a little late, um, watching a game. Um, yeah, maybe not that game. I'm a little cold, though, so I'm going to just slip this on. Um, this is somewhat for my friends uh, in Long Beach and uh, Houston today. Um, but most of you don't care, but it's been 22 years since I got to watch my team in the World Series. So I'm going to just uh, put this on and, and share with you this morning. Um, we have, um, we've been walking through a series called By Faith, okay? We've been walking through a series called By Faith. This really has nothing to do with anything I'm going to say, just to, I'm just going to wear it. Um, so, um, as bad as it may look. Um, so, we've been in the series called By Faith. It's, it's called By Faith because in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews uses those two words, by faith, over and over again, to lay out a picture of what it means to have faith in God. Um, he's, he's, ma- he's making an argument, he's building an argument based on the history of, the, of, of Israel, the, is- the, the nation of Israel, based on their history that, that following Jesus is just a continuation of the work that God began at the very beginning. And so by, by faith in Jesus, we're not doing anything new, we're simply doing the next thing. We're, we're, we're following along in the footsteps of those who came before us. And we've been asking these questions, what, what is faith and how is faith lived? It, because those seem to be the questions that are pertinent in Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? If, if we're supposed to live by faith, and it tells us there in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If, if that's the case, if, if we are, are supposed to live by faith, how, how do we do it? What is it, and how do we do it? And it's, it's walked through this string of people, and I, we won't have time to, to recap all of them. But we sometimes refer to these people as like heroes of the faith. And I want to be careful with that language. Because here's the thing. What, what made these people unique wasn't necessarily how special they were. It wasn't necessarily like what, what was true about them. But what made them special is the fact that, that they had their real hero was, was God. That they, they followed him where he led them. And so today we're going to be in Hebrews 11 just to start. And then we're going to be in the book of Exodus. If you have a Bible and you want to kind of kind of turn to Hebrews 11, but then most of the time we're going to spend in the book of Exodus, and we'll, we'll put these things on the screen for you as well. But we want to start just with our, our one verse here today, 
um, from Hebrews 11 to anchor where we are in the story of God's unfolding story of faith. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. And it says, by faith he, and the he being here is Moses. There's sort of kind of three little ideas about Moses. So two weeks ago, we, we looked at the faith of Moses' parents to do the common sense thing, really, and just, just protect him from, uh, from the order to, to, to kill the Hebrew children. So, so by faith, and then last week, sorry, last week, it was this, this session of like Moses left, he left Egypt and fled and he chose a life away from the riches of the palace in order to, uh, to follow God. So it says, by faith he, now this is he, Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Okay? Now, ripped out of context, I'm not sure that that makes a whole lot of sense to most of us if we don't know the whole story. But it, 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 is, it is a pivotal moment for, for um, the nation of Israel. It became an anchoring point for them, this, 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 uh, this Passover. It is still recognized today by, by religious Jews. Um, it is, it is, it's not an exaggeration to say that, that Passover is to the Jews what, what Easter is to the Christians. Like, it is the anchoring holiday in their calendar, and they've been observing it for thousands of years thousands of years. And the author of Hebrews puts a pin in this, okay? He puts a pin in this, and he says, here's the deal. It was by faith that they, that they observed this thing. They observed, they kept the Passover, and it involved the sprinkling of blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now, we need to understand what that means. So we're going to go to Exodus, the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. It's the second book of the Bible, Exodus. And we, we read this story over a couple chapters, and for the sake of time, we're going to sort of look at different portions of it and, and strategically jump over some things to make sure we get the big picture. But in Exodus chapter 11 is where we're going to start. Exodus chapter 11. And it begins with this, this first verse. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Okay? So it begins here with just this. This is our starting point. The Lord's speaking to Moses, and it says, yet one plague more. Now, here's what we need to understand. We've got 400, at this point, roughly 430 years of history since the, um, the, the children of Israel, Jacob's children, Jacob also being known as Israel, went to Egypt to get away from, from uh, famine. So they go to Egypt, and through God's providence, he provides for their family, and they stay in Egypt for 430 years at this point. God had provided for them. And we know from the, the past couple weeks as well, looking at this, that, that they had been very fruitful. Like they had multiplied and their number had increased so much so that Pharaoh was afraid of them. The king of Egypt was afraid of them because of their size. And so he had put them in hard slavery. They were in severe bondage. They, there, was, there, was no, there was no weekend off. There was no like taking a break. And in fact, he had he had pressed in on them and made their, their lives miserable. It was, it, was, it was one of the worst forms of slavery that we can imagine, right? And so this is the state that they find themselves in. And it's the, it's the context that, that the Lord brings Moses back into Egypt into. He brings him back to do something about this, to see that something is done about this bondage, to, to, to free the people from this bondage. And you may know the story uh, relatively, but there, up to this point, there have been nine plagues. There have been these, these plagues that were carried out on, on, uh, 
on Egypt because the Pharaoh refused to let them go. The, the question wasn't even, let us go free. The, actually, the initial question was, give us a day where we can step out of like our bondage and we can go out and we can worship our God. We can observe our religious practice. And Pharaoh said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They actually had a 10-day week on their calendar, and they worked 10 out of 10 days. There was no time for them to go worship their God. And so nine plagues had been carried out. They were, the water was turned to blood. There were frogs and lice and flies. There was a pestilence in the livestock. The people got boils. That's gross, right? Hail had fallen. There were locusts, and then there was darkness everywhere, so much so that you couldn't move about. Those are bad, right? That, none of that sounds like a good time. And thus to the point, these were plagues that were brought on the people because their leader refused to let the children of Israel go and worship him, or go and worship the, the Lord, sorry. So jump down a couple verses to verse four. So let's pick up the story again. So, so Moses said, uh, he gathered the, the people together and he goes and he's giving this message to, and, and Pharaoh and Pharaoh's getting this message. So Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt. And every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor will ever be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all, and all these... Your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron, we pick up the story, Aaron is Moses' brother who goes with him. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. So, so here's the... The, the, the case. So Moses is called by God. He has a message from God to give to the people and to give to Pharaoh. And the message is this. About midnight, okay, about midnight, the Lord is going to come through the people. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to wipe out the firstborn of everyone. He, there's no distinction. There's no hiding from it with power. There's no hiding from it at all, like in any station. From, from the highest, the king, the Pharaoh, down to the, the lowliest servant, slave, there's going to be death. It's going to happen. And we're told that even after that, we're told, even after that, that Pharaoh is going to reject this message. He's given the message, but he's going to reject it. He's not going to let you go. Okay? He's not going to let you go unless it takes place. Now, this seems harsh, right? We read things like this, and this is like when someone says, like, go an Old Testament on you or it's these kinds of things where this seems like a really, really harsh way to deal with, with what's going on. But I want to remember, go back to that context for a minute of where we are. The children of Israel had lived in Egypt for 400 plus years. They themselves were prosperous, and, and to be honest, they had made Egypt very prosperous. The slavery, the bondage that they were in was a big reason for the rise of Egypt, Egypt, the, the, as, as a, a smallish empire, had been built on the backs of the, the, the children of Israel. So, yeah, it seems harsh. 
And at the same time, they'd lived through generations and generations now of terrible slavery. Terrible slavery. Another thing to remember is that they absolutely positively could not fight on their own. They didn't have an army. They didn't have any military might. If we looked at this situation in a modern context, we would say, absolutely, those people should rise up, right, and take on the power. They should fight for their freedom. They had no capacity to do that. They had no weapons. They, 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 they could not build an army. And the third thing I think we need to remember with this is that before this takes place, the Pharaoh had been given fair warning. He'd been given fair warning. He was told directly, this is what's going to happen if you refuse to let us go and worship. He was, he was told that explicitly. And there had been nine other plagues, right? Nine other Warning, plague, okay, you can go. No, just kidding, come back. This had happened nine times. So while we may read this with certain sensibilities and it may feel like it's extremely harsh or it may feel like it's extra weighty and, and it is. Here's the, this is what I, we need to make this point. This is serious. The decision that Pharaoh is making is literally a life and death decision. It's a life and death decision for the nation. And we're told he's gonna say no. He's gonna say no. He had all the warning. You are powerless to fight for yourself. You are not going to be free unless I intervene, says the Lord. And he's going to say no, and this is where this is headed. So let's keep reading, because the story goes on in Exodus chapter 12. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, and again, remember strategically, there's a few verses of sort of backtracking that I'm, I'm going to jump for the sake of time. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, and to verse 3, tell all the congregation of Israel, that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household, skipping to verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So simply put, um, first step of the instructions. Here's, God says, this is what's going to happen, and now immediately goes into this story, this, this narrative about, about the Passover. And it, it, we're told, like, they're, they're, we're told by, that, that uh, the Lord tell, says to Moses and, and Aaron, he says, go and tell everybody to go get a lamb. Go get a lamb, and not just any lamb. It's got to be the best you've got, okay? It's got to be the best that you've got. Keep reading. We're going to jump to verse 7. It says, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel in the house in which they eat. They'll eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread, and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. So take this lamb, you're going to cook it, and you're going to cook it specifically this way. You're going to cook it whole, okay? You're going to cook it whole. And anything that's, eat everything that you can, and anything that's left over, there's no keeping the excess. The imagery here is that this sacrifice is all-consuming, okay? It's all-consuming. This sacrifice is going to require everything that the, that the offering has to give. Nothing is to be left over. Keep reading. Verse 11. In this manner, you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it, eat, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I think eat it in haste are some of the best words in the Bible. Okay, that's, that seems like how I always eat. Um, 
but, but, but there's an imagery here as well. You're, you're, you're eating it like it's, it's kind of impolite to, to eat and run, right? But that's the imagery. Like, you're going to eat this and eat it quickly, but be ready. Be ready to go. And we know when we see the rest of the story, there's a reason they're, they're, they need to be ready. Keep reading with me, verse 12. He says, so be ready, eat in haste, for I will pass through, as I the Lord will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord, okay? So the Lord says, God says, I'm coming. Do this this way, I'm coming. And when I come, it's, you're going to know that I've been here. There's gonna be no mistake who did this, what happened, it's going to be clear. So be ready. Verse 13, and says this, the blood shall be a sign for you. Remember, they were supposed to paint the blood. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Notice this is where it comes from, right? Look at what it says. The blood will be a sign, and you're going to take the blood, and you're going to put it on the doorposts and above the door. It's going to cover the entryway to your home. But then it says, I will pass over you. That's where Passover comes from. I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Have you ever been overlooked? Overlooked is an interesting thing, right? There's times where being overlooked is really bad, right? Like, boy, I, I've been working here a long time, and I feel like I'm doing a good job, but every time a promotion comes up, I keep getting overlooked. It's not really good, right? Um, you're, I, I'm a young man, and gosh, I'm interested in this lady, but I keep getting overlooked because my best friend is so handsome, right? I'm not, I don't know where I'm drawing from on this, but. <laughs> but then there's certain things that we want overlooked, right? Like, this jacket doesn't quite fit right. Would you overlook that? Or, yes, officer, I was going a little bit over the speed limit, but based on my good driving record, maybe we can overlook that. Right? I want to draw a distinction here about what's going on in Exodus chapter 12. Because what's happened, when we think about something being overlooked, we think about sort of like an oops or, or a maybe we'll get lucky here. That's not actually, I don't want us to read overlooked into Exodus chapter 12. That's not what's happening. Look at what it says. You put the sign on your door, on your home. And the Lord says, when I come through, I'm not going to overlook. I'm going to look directly for it. I'm looking for something, not overlooking something. I'm looking for something, and when I see it, I'm going to pass over. I'm going to pass over. Keep reading, and we're going to jump down to verse 21. Verse 21 says this. Then Moses called in the interim, let me, in the interim, it's sort of like instructions like, hey, do this all the time, okay? Like, have, have this, celebrate this feast all the time. Don't put the leaven in the bread, okay? There's, it's, there's details, they're good details, but for the sake of our, our message this morning, we're jumping to verse 21. It says, then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, hyssop is um, kind of a flowering weed that grew in the area. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood. 
that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And then none of you shall go out of the door of the house until the morning. Stay put, right? Stay in the house. The blood will be a sign. The Lord's gonna pass over. Stay in the house. Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Did you catch this? He's going to pass through, and he's going to pass over. The Lord is on the move. He's going to pass through the land, but when he sees the blood of the sacrifice, he's going to pass over the house. He's going to pass over that home. There's some more details that are read, and then verse 28 says this says, then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Did you catch this? The people of Israel went and did, did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now, they had these very specific instructions, right? Cook it this way. Do this thing. By the way, there's no yeast in the bread. That's a part of the the unleavened bread, where that comes from in Passover. Follow these directions. Cook it this way. Use, use this, this hyssop to, to paint the blood on your doorpost and the lintel above the door. Do it this way. And I love what it tells us there. So they did, right? So they did. It's going to bring us back to our questions that we've been wrestling with. What is faith? this story. They went and they did. They were told the plan and they went and they did. It was, why did they follow such a plan that seems so, let's be honest, this is bizarre. This doesn't, make, this doesn't make sense. Were they desperate? Maybe. Were they unintelligent? I don't think so. I think that would be awful of us to assume that about them. Why did they follow? Why did they go and do? It's because they had faith. They trusted that God had given a plan. So what is faith? Well, faith is following the plan that God has provided. At the simplest level, it's following the plan that God has provided. It may seem odd or arbitrary. The plan may seem bizarre. It may not make sense to us. In fact, the plan likely has some particular parts of it that we may think are like, if I were God, I would have had a different plan. This all seems a little convoluted. But they had faith in the God who gave the plan, and so they did it. If God had laid it out, it's best that it be followed. That was their stance. So faith is trusting the plan. Now read a little bit more. Verse 29, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up. Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. 
This is, this is the, the moment, right? For, for 400 years they've, plus, they've lived in Egypt. Many of those years, and certainly in the recent years to this story, they'd been in bondage and in slavery. They'd asked nicely, and the answer was no. The Pharaoh had been warned it was going to get bad, and the answer was still no. There were nine all kinds of nasty plagues that led up to this, and the answer was still no. They couldn't fight for themselves. There was a, a fight that they couldn't win if they even tried. And so the Lord intervened, the Lord stepped in, and the Lord said, this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take for my people to have freedom, for my people to leave bondage. And he warned, and he acted. He did. Now, God's still in the business of making plans, right? God's still in the business of making plans. You see, there was a plan for Israel. That plan, he said to them, death is coming. Death is coming. He gave them, he gave them a specific time. Well, pretty specific, about midnight, okay? Death is coming. But here's the reality for us too, right? The, that hasn't changed. Death is coming. Oh, we don't like to talk about it. It's not, you know, a topic that we just, I mean, there may be some morbid among us who find pleasure. But, but for the most part, we just spend most of our time trying to avoid talking about, our, about death, trying to avoid mortality, trying to put it off as long as we can. But the reality is this, we all die. We all die. It's, it's coming for each of us. That part hasn't changed. For Israel, right, the blood of the lamb paid the price so that they wouldn't die. That's, that was God's plan for them. You sacrifice the lamb, right? You sacrifice the lamb and you put the blood around the door, and I will pass over. You won't really, you won't die. And he still made a plan, right? You see, just as the Israelites had the perfect lamb, his plan today is Jesus has, his blood has paid the price. Jesus is the eternal, everlasting perfect lamb. His death, his sacrifice, his blood is painted on my doorpost now. It covers over my sin. They had to cover the door, but it covers our life. The blood of Christ covers over my life. So how is faith lived? How is faith lived? Well, we say yes to Jesus today. In the same way, that the Israelites had to look at the message that was given to them by Moses and Aaron in the same way that they had to say yes to that message. We have to say yes to the message of Jesus Christ. It's, the plan is God's plan. I'm going to ask the band to come down as we wrap this up. We're going to sing again, but I want to. So we say yes. To, what, if I, what if you're here today and you're like, I, I, I said yes to Jesus. I did that. Yeah, I get it. 
But there were people in Israel who'd said yes to Yahweh long before as well. They had to say yes again. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it made them more writer, but what I'm saying is that God's, part of God's plan is that he's going to continue to ask us to say yes in all kinds of areas of our life. Some of us are still in, we're in bondage. We're in bondage to addiction, to our desires. And we need to say yes to Jesus to be free from that. We fill up that space by saying yes to him. Some of us just, our life is about accumulation and getting more. And the, the, God says, look, all that getting more, all that accumulation, all that greed, it just, just in the end, we all die. And what did it mean? We, we got to say yes to Jesus to do something about the bondage that we're in in the other places of our life. We're just stuck in cycles of lies. We're just constantly not, not honest about who we are in our lives and what we need, and we're just stuck. And Jesus is the, the way and the truth, and he brings life, and his sacrifice makes it so that we don't have to live in that cycle. And so, yeah, we've, I've said yes to him. I said yes to him 40 years ago. I need to say yes to him again in these areas of my life where I'm still struggling with my flesh. I'm still bound, and he needs those places. But there's maybe somebody here today who we're talking about this with Jesus, and this may be the first time you're even hearing us, hearing someone say, you need to say yes to Jesus. Jesus is the sacrifice that makes it so that I can live. I don't have to fear death. That while my body may die, I will live on with him. And you may be here this morning, and, and this may seem very foreign to you, but the, the reality of the situation, God's plan is still the plan. Death will be true for all of us. But Jesus' sacrifice on the cross makes it so that death isn't the end. You see, I'm, all of us are burdened with sin. We're all in bondage to it. We're enslaved to it. But Jesus' sacrifice makes it so that we don't have to die in it. We can really live. So we just need to say yes to him. We need to invite him to take our life. We need to acknowledge that his plan is the plan that brings life. And I want to pray that this morning. Would you pray with me? And if you've never, if you've never said yes to Jesus, let's say yes today. And if you have said yes to Jesus, let's say it again. Can we do that? Lord, you are a mystery, and I don't, I don't fully understand why you do what you do the way you do what you do. But God, I, I know that I'm broken, and I need you 
Jesus? And this morning, we just, we stop, we pause, and we say, thank you for what you've done. And we say, Jesus, we trust you as God's plan for our life, for ever, for eternity. And we want to follow you. We want to walk with you. And Lord, for some of us here this morning, we just, we know that, that you've been in our life, you've been calling to us, and we still haven't said yes. And I just want to pray now that we would say yes to you, that you would come and be our Savior, be our Lord. And we pray all of this in Christ's name, and because of what you've done, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask, we've got some folks around um, springing this on a couple of you, but our, our staff and our elders, would, would you all stand? We're all going to stand in just a second, but our staff and our elders, would you stand for a minute? Would you look around? If you prayed that prayer this morning, and perhaps it was the first time you prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus, these are people who would love to hear that, to speak with you. They'd love to pray with you again. If you have questions about what we're talking about, these are people that would love. So if you, if, you're, if you are in need of more, would you take a look at these folks and would you catch one of these folks? They're gonna linger here for just a few minutes when we finish up. And would you ask them, hey, I think I prayed that this morning. Can we talk about that? They'd be glad to. Let's stand all together and worship God. You guys can stay standing for a second. I resonated with that line focused on the things I can't control. I'm really good at that. And the cool thing about what Jesus asked us to do is that it generally involves giving up control. And it's really neat to trust Jesus and have faith that he'll be there with us when we act on what he's asking us to do. Around here, we try to... We're all about growing into meaningful relationships with Jesus Christ and others. And one way to do that with others is the dinners of eight that we are talking about. Uh, there are signups on mylcc.info. That starts in November, early November. Can I have you guys who are hosting raise your hands? I see a couple of you. We've got a number of hosts here, a few people who aren't here. So just find a dinner to join, join up with. Um, we'd love to eat together. And then as far as another call to step out in faith and grow in your relationship with Jesus, we have baptisms coming up next Sunday. Nope, in two Sundays. We have our final info meeting today right after service right here in the auditorium. Um, if it's something that you feel like that you haven't done yet, that you feel like God is calling you to do, and you're just curious even, just come stay and talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about that. And we love celebrating baptisms. So we'll be doing that November 7th. So hope you guys have a good day. And we will see you in groups and see you back here next Sunday.